All right, welcome to the first of its kind, world-changing manufacturers network. Lisa Ryan has her ears to the ground and her heart in the game. Get ongoing education and new connections right here with Lisa and the manufacturers network. Buckle your seat, listen, and spread the word. Here's Lisa. Welcome to the Manufacturers Network podcast. Our guest today is James Fair. James is an IT and cybersecurity veteran with 35 years of experience. He's held every role from entry-level tech to senior VP, and now he's working in the cybersecurity space. So, James, welcome to the show. Thanks, Lisa. It's an honor to be here. I'm very excited. Great. So share with us a little bit about your background and what led you to doing what you're doing in those 35 plus years. (laughs) Yeah, I've been doing this since before computers were around. I'm an old school guy. I I guess what started for me is a passion for technology. The first computer I got at age 13, the first real PC I got at age 16. And I would like deep dive into that and no one would see me for two years. And when I came out, I would know everything about it. And so it's just always been a passion of mine to dive into technology. And I've been doing technology a long time, but part of that has always been cybersecurity because back when I was doing it, there was no separate role for cybersecurity. You you did everything. No one realized there was a separate need for that. And there really wasn't because there wasn't that much going on out there, or at least we weren't aware of it. Anyway, so over time, I have come to develop a passion for wanting to help organizations stay protected, prevent attacks, or and or deal with them when and hopefully if they ever happen. Hopefully they never happen to anybody. If they do, I want everyone to be prepared for it. We do not want to wait until the cyber stuff is hitting the fan before we decide to take action. And now we'll make, we'll make a plan. They're like, ooh, what, what do we do in this situation? Let's get ahead of that. That's really what I'm after. Let's help organizations be protected and respond better when something does happen. Yeah, and it's scary stuff with all the ransomware and everything else that you're and I've had friends that have gone through that and without proper backup, or thankfully they had outside backup that it didn't cost them as much time or money as it could have, but it certainly was a pain to deal with. So what are some of the common cybersecurity threats that you see in manufacturing? We see some common across all industries, but particular manufacturing are, first of all, the common ones. So ransomware, right? We see it everywhere. And I do want to caution your listeners for both organizations and home users, please, please have backups, as you mentioned. You can recover from about anything, fire, flood, theft, ransomware, if you have good backups. And I've had tough conversations with people to say, hey, this lady called me up. It just It was awful. She said, my grandmother passed away last month and I have all the pictures of her and they're on my computer. And now there's this ransom note on my computer. What should I do? And that is not a wow. conversation I ever want to have with anybody. So please make sure you're backing up. I don't care what product you use. I'm not selling anything in particular, but please make sure you're backing up your home machines as well as your organizations. Okay. So, so back to your original you know, question. And, yeah, oh, yeah, please. And actually, since we're talking about that, so what do you think of cloud backup? And again, I've been using Carbonite for years, but is there something about it going into the cloud like a product like Carbonite or should it actually be a physical backup as well? Or is there, it really doesn't matter. Like where does that fall for yeah. home and business? For home, I would say cloud is perfectly acceptable and works all the time. Business may be different in that 
you may need to be able to recover the data very quickly or a lot of data very quickly. And if it's all in the cloud, you have to download it. What's your internet speed like? Because now mm. the speed at which you can recover is based on your internet speeds. So that's a conversation we want to have with each individual business or organization to see how long can they deal with an outage. So let's say ransomware hits, everything's cleaned up. Now we're doing the recovery process. How long can they take? Can we prioritize files first? Or anyway, it depends is not a great answer, but it depends on the organization that we're working with, whether they can do both. In a lot of cases for larger organizations, we certainly encourage both. Have a copy locally so you can recover quickly. Have a copy on the cloud in case someone gets a hold, attackers get a hold of that backup. We worked with one organization who got hit by ransomware and the attackers had gone in and formatted the hard drives that they used for backups. Like they wanted to make sure they could not recover from them. And keep in mind, when attackers are going after organizations, particularly larger ones, they're going to do everything they can to make sure that you cannot recover from that, including one thing we haven't mentioned yet is an exfiltration of data. So nowadays we're seeing a lot of this. I'm going to also steal your HR data or intellectual property, things like that. So when I come to you and say, hey, are you going to pay this ransom? And you say, nope, I got good backups. I'll go, okay, but I have this information that you don't want, you do not want released to the public. So now that's being mm-hmm. held over people's heads as well. What is X? Infiltration, what what is that term? I'm sorry, exfiltration of data, meaning I'm going to take information that's on your servers that you don't want out there in the public, and I'm going to grab that first. Then I'm going to say, hey, I'm going to sell this unless you pay me. Oh, wow. Yeah. So is there honor among thieves when you pay the ransomware? Are you going to get your data back and then you're going to fix it? Or are they just going to keep coming after you? That's, it just yeah. seems like it's such a crooked business to be. It really with. is. Yeah. And how do you have any trust in here? So to give it, a, no, I don't want to put a positive spin on this. There is nothing positive about this. However, the attackers want credibility because if for any reason you believed that they would not come through on their side of it, people would stop paying. So they have a very big vested interest in proving that they will recover your files for you. Now, I've only done this twice, but in my experience, two times at least, yes, they got almost all the files back. There were a couple of corrupted ones that couldn't recover. But in general, yes, if you pay, you get the files back. Statistically, I've heard something closer to 80%. But in my experience, I'm two for two. So yeah, because the attackers have a vested interest in making sure that their reputation stays good. Otherwise, no one would pay these ransoms and they would no longer be in business. When I also think about things like phishing, that when the uh, the CEO is going out of town and supposedly that person calls the secretary or sends them an email, hey, I need this kind of cash. And they just don't even think because it's on, oh, the CEO's calling me. So how would you go about educating your staff? Because the phishing emails are getting better than, holy cow, I always check on the return email address to make sure that it's something instead of XYZGOT at. Exactly. Yeah. Yahoo.com or something. Yeah. That That is a great question. I would say... Probably the most effective technique we see is doing an internal phishing campaign. So it feels very, I I know some organizations like that feels very big brother to attack our own people, but I have a different perspective. It's meant to raise awareness. It's meant to get people to start looking at the reply email because we are humans. First of all, we make mistakes. We get busy. We respond emotionally before we respond logically. 
If you've ever been cut off in traffic, you may have experienced this. So that's what the attackers are leveraging. All these great tools that we put in place, the anti-ransomware, the antivirus, firewalls, everything else, those are programmatic and they're much more difficult to, to get what, do what you want. But humans, on their hand, we can manipulate them to some degree. Internal phishing campaigns to raise awareness is probably the most effective tool. And again, it's not meant to get someone. It's meant to look like, hey, look, in the here's a quick training for you. I mean, just five minutes of your time. So you'll know how to quickly check to make sure you're not clicking on something you don't want to. And you'd rather have us, the white hat folks doing it, than find out that someone sent credentials out that they shouldn't have via phishing email. So do they know, does management hire a company like you to white hats to send the phishing emails? Or do employees know that they may be coming or do they have training before and then afterwards to see how much they learn? How What does that look like? Yeah. Some organizations will dictate what that is for us. In general, our engagement looks like a very, and yes, they will come to us saying, hey, we have been fished before. We don't want it to happen again. What should we do? And we proffer the suggestion and they buy off on it. And then we'll do a very easy to catch one, right? So very few people maybe get caught on that first one just to create a baseline so that then we can do more difficult ones to see how we're improving, to see where we're, maybe there's a particular group or a few members who need more training than others. And then maybe we come in and we do an hour long security awareness training. I do a lot of those. I'll come into an organization and I'll spend an hour talking about what we're seeing out in the wild, best practices for security, those kind of things. So Really, these days, yes, you need all those great security and IT tools in place, but you've also got to be training the users because we are the humans and we have that we make mistakes and we're busy. Yeah. Now, on your list of topics here, that you t- ransomware was one of them, but you also said breaches through third parties. Is that the same as ransomware, or what would that mean? If you consider, I don't know if you recall the target breach from long ago. So target wasn't directly attacked. Someone got in through their HVAC system. So the HVAC folks had put a computer in their network that they could connect to in order to do work on the system, which unfortunately had been connected to the rest of the backbone of the network. So the attackers were able to break into that HVAC system and then into the rest of the network. So was that a direct attack on target? No, not necessarily. It was through a third party. So we do want to make sure we're careful about engaging with third parties and that they have the proper security tools in place because you may have all the best ones in the world, but if the person you're working with doesn't, then that can be a challenge. So it's not just about us having them. It's also about the people we work with also having those in place as well. Um, speaking when you of, think uh, of about, fishing and, no, go ahead. You think about, oh, I was just thinking, you think about how interconnected everything in manufacturing is with the HVAC C systems and the production lines and accounting and HR and finance and everything woven together. So yeah, that sounds like that would be quite the danger. Yeah, it's a challenge. Best practices, and I don't want to get too technical here, is to segment those pieces off so that they can't really talk to each other except by pre-designed paths. So that any new path can't suddenly show up and start connecting through there. But I I do want to touch on something because there's a relevant story, I think, that applies here quite a bit. So it was a manufacturing company. They were working with a large vendor of theirs. And there was an email exchange going back and forth between someone in finance on both sides. And what no one knew was that the email on the vendor's side had been infiltrated. Now, a lot of times we think, all right, someone gets a hold of my credentials. They're going to jump in and start doing stuff immediately. But we found that's not really the case. Often we see 
hanging out, maybe we'll call it. They're watching, seeing what's going on. They're learning. They're seeing who you talk to, who talks to you, who do you report to, who reports to you, who are you doing business with? What kind of language do you use? What's your signature? They're learning as we go. So they stayed in the system for, we, we do not know how long because it was into somebody else's organization. And this email transaction went back and forth and they finally agreed to $150,000 invoice. Immediately, the attackers jumped in, did a reply to all. So they had all the previous email transaction in the email. And they said, here's the link to pay the $150,000. And the email domain, as they got even trickier. You caught that it was not the actual domain it was coming from. They got tricky. They bought a domain. They figured it was worth trying. So the company had a W in the name. They bought a domain with two Vs right next to each other. So it looked uh, like a W if your brain wasn't paying attention. And unfortunately, someone clicked the link, paid $150,000. So that company was out $150,000 and still owed the vendor $150,000. So wow. yeah, phishing's a big deal. And account compromises are a big deal these days. So we've got to be watching out. I cannot stress enough the value. And it's not 100%. It's not a silver bullet. Nothing is. But the value of multi-factor authentication or two-factor authentication or MFA or however you want to call it, just having some additional level besides your login and password that you have to enter, that's a huge difference in security for a very minimal impact in efficiency for people. Wow. And I think about two, and this isn't totally with manufacturing because you do have to be at the plant, obviously, but there's still a lot of people working from home. My husband works for a manufacturer, but he is in accounting. So he gets to work from home a couple days a week. So when you look at that rise in remote work, all the interconnected supply chains, what are some things that manufacturers can do to ensure that the remote work isn't potentially causing any problems? Yeah, I think if the organization is mature enough, we can start looking at some sophisticated tools. For instance, internally, we use a product from Microsoft called Intune. And Intune is really designed for a remote workforce. And it allows us to put kind of those same parameters on devices that we would if they were in the office. So we can say it has to have a screen timeout and it has to have these certain password parameters and it has to, so it has to have antivirus. So we can list a whole series of things that a computer must adhere to before being allowed to connect and access company data. So really that's where I would encourage people to start is start looking at ways to lock down those devices to only have access if certain criteria are being met. Well, and then we're also looking at things like you want to be efficient, but you also want to be safe. So how would manufacturers balance the productivity that they need to make the money along with the cybersecurity that keeps all of their efforts safe? <laughs> that is a great question. And as much as it pains me to say it, security and ease of use tend to be at, on opposite ends of the spectrum. The most secure computer in the world is the one unplugged sitting in the middle of the room. It's just not very effective that way. And the easiest one to use is the one that doesn't require a password, but we want to be somewhere in between, right? So it really is about finding a good balancing act. I'm, the idea for a security team to come in and say, you have to do this and this and make your work difficult. That's not the idea. That's never what, certainly what we want to present. We want right. to come in and add some security that works with the business model and the business people. And yeah, we're going to add a little bit of, of MFA, right? We're going to add a little bit of overhead to what we're doing in return for a lot of return in security. And nowadays, we really want to base everything on risk. 
So a lot of IT organizations will, they're, they're playing whack-a-mole. Whatever is in the news, that's what they're working on that day to try to block it from happening. Mm. So they're just playing whack-a-mole all the time. And while what they're doing is busy work and it's progressing and they're making the environment more secure, we want to encourage people to look at what is the greatest risk the organization. So let's make a let's make a spreadsheet. We call it a risk register. Let's make a spreadsheet and let's list all those things that we can think of, other people can think of, imaginary scenarios. Who knew we we're going to have a, a a nationwide epidemic, right? But list out all these things that these events that could occur, the likelihood of them how big the impact is if it does happen. And then based on that, let's give it a risk factor. Then let's sort by the risk. And so we start working on the things that are highest risk to the organization first, and we're not just playing that whack-a-mole with our time. Wow, that's something. It's funny when you were talking about password. I don't think there's a day that goes by that I do not utter utter the sentence, I hate passwords. (laughs) Because I forget them all the time. <laughs> I use one of those password keepers, but then yeah. it, it doesn't have them all. Yeah. So right. there is that that maintaining that security and not just frustrating your employees. There, there are better solutions coming. There are better tech coming. If you think of on your laptop, the Windows Hello, you open it up, it recognizes your face, logs you in. You didn't have to right. touch a thing, didn't have to enter a password, right? Phones are the same mm-hmm. thing. So Passwordless tech is coming more and more. So hopefully that's a pain that will soon be a thing in the past for you. And the funny thing is, because I like crime shows, I think about the number of where they have the criminal and they're trying to get into his phone and they just hold the phone up to his face and unlocks it. Exactly. I thought the same thing. I'm like, why do you put a pin on it? Otherwise, we're going to put your finger on it, right? Cut your finger off. I worst case, this is horrible. That's a possibility. (laughs) <laughs> exactly. And it's like, it wouldn't be on television if it didn't happen at some point. That's right. So, yeah. 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 So I For know sure. that you've worked with a lot of these different cases. So what would be, and of course you're not going into the minute details of it, but sure. what would be a real world case where you worked with a manufacturer and maybe this is a tale to warn what, what could happen if yeah. they're not careful? Yeah, we worked with a 500 user uh, organization here in Utah who had been hit by ransomware multiple times in the past. And so they brought us on. Unfortunately, before we could get really everything solidified, they got hit one more time. And it was through one of their local IT administrators. So one of their, one of their, you know, on staff IT admins had gotten his credentials compromised. And that was the ransomware infection I told you about where they formatted the hard drives. And they went after mm. everything. They left no no holds un- unturned. Anytime, anywhere they could find a backup, they had removed it. They had blown away the hard drives and they formatted it to make sure we couldn't recover from them. They had gone over and above. I guess the answer is we're back to ransomware, unfortunately. Here we go again. It is probably the biggest and scariest risk to organizations these days. So number one, if you do not have cyber insurance, consider it. Because if you get hit by ransomware, can you really afford to pay the ransom? Not that I wanted you to pay the ransom because I don't want anyone to ever pay the ransom again. This thing would be a thing of the past. But you know, the reality is sometimes organizations have to. In fact, I'll jump quick segue. University of Utah here got hit by ransomware. They actually ended up, they did everything by the book. They did everything correct. They responded correctly. They had proper backups. They ended up paying. And the reason was the attackers were able to prove that they had a small subset but that they had student data that the university did not want released to the public. 
So they ended up paying anyway. So this is a real thing. So we've got to we've got to start putting layers in place. Unfortunately, as as difficult as it is, like even internally for us, we have 150 techs out there running around, but we can't have everyone have access to everything. It's we're going to go work on this client. Okay, you have access to only that client. So we really need to start segmenting people and access. It's just not fun, but it is the reality we live in. If you can, if you're a large organization and you can afford it, I would encourage you to look at some very sophisticated tools like a managed data and response program. I'm not pitching a particular product, but there are antivirus organizations who will monitor your entire environment for you. 24 7, 365, they're looking at every single endpoint. And if something looks suspicious, they're jumping in and they're actively involving themselves. So they will respond to an incident. If it's 2 a.m., they're not calling your tech trying to tell them, hey, you need to do something. They're actually actively engaging with the organization and doing something about it. So they're trying to prevent the breach from happening. So if you can afford it, I would look at, it's called MDR. I would seriously look at MDR. And is that real people or is that AI? Combination of both. Yeah. So typically what happens is the header, I get too technical here. The critical information of the data, not the data itself, but the information where it went, how it got there is sent to an AI that then triggers red flags, which are then sent to a security analyst, an actual human to look at. So the answer is both, much like you do. Now that you have scared the heck out of the audience, (laughs) is there anything that we missed as far as just talking about, we want the, if you can get the, the, the cyber insurance, you want to do that. If you want to spend the big money on that, on that system, uh, training your employees for learning about phishing, uh, making sure that you have backups. We've talked about all of this, but is there a system? Is there an order? What would be a best practice of just starting the process of protecting yourself? Yeah, that is an excellent question. So security is all about layers because if a attacker can get through one layer, we want to have multiple to try to prevent it from being, right? So not any single exploit can't allow them to get in fully. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm totally blanking. Ask me the question again. Wow. <laughs> what's like a, yeah. What's a system or what's an easy oh, way yes, to get you. started when protecting themselves? Yeah. That's a very great question. Thank you, Lisa. So one of the things that we do see often is organizations particularly in manufacturing, are resistant because someone comes in and says, oh, you've got to spend $100,000 and hire three people. And they're just like, oh, forget it. There's no way. And Or they assign it to some poor person in finance who says, hey, you're in charge of security. Go figure this stuff out. And they look like deer in headlights. So I really want to encourage organizations to just get started, number one, take a step forward. We encourage and we work with our clients to create a roadmap okay, maybe we don't have the budget for it this year. Let's put something on the budget for next year so that we can add that antivirus program that we want or so that we can get the firewall. Let's make it work for the organization, work for the budget. So let's, and and let's put a a path together. Let's not say you need everything right now. That doesn't make any sense. Let's go for the low hanging fruit, such as multi-factor authentication, easy to implement, very cheap, not a whole lot of impact. Let's start with doing those big things. And then we can start working on the the ones that take longer and more take longer to implement. And then I really want to encourage all organizations to have what we call an incident response plan, meaning what do we do if we suspect an attack or a breach is happening, right? What if we do if we get ransomware? So that everybody knows how to respond. It's You want to reduce the time as much as possible from when someone goes, hey, something's wrong here until someone can do something about it. 
And the way you do that is you plan ahead of time. And mm-hmm. you even, we encourage people to, what we, we do what we call tabletop exercise. So you just step through it with people sitting on a Zoom call. Okay, what do you do next? What's next? Let's try. And then you learn from it. Oh yeah, we forgot about this system. Let's make sure we add this. So we're practicing these things. So everyone knows what to do when that happens, because we do not want to delay or make that the time we start making plans. Like, oh, we need to call a cyber lawyer. Anyone know a cyber lawyer? Find a number. That's not the time to start planning. And I think even with the pandemic, that we are getting used to asking questions that we never thought that we would have to ask before. In my case, it's, gee, I, what would ha- I wonder what would happen if the entire speaking and meeting industry closed down for two years. What would I do? But I never asked the question. And it actually brings me back to what you were talking about before, that one company that, you know, before you started working with them, got hit over and over again. And it just on that, why did they get hit so many times? What were they doing that they didn't learn the first time that it happened several times? They had employed an IT staff that wasn't skilled in dealing with those situations. Wow. And they did not make adjustments. They just, I guess they were hopeful that the staff had learned and that wouldn't happen again or something. They just didn't take the necessary precautions. Yeah. I came in and did an assessment on day one and I found someone had shared out QuickBooks files, company data. I had some bank accounts I found just from a cursory browsing. So it was just, unfortunately, it was an IT staff. And and there's not an expectation that all IT staff need to be security, but there is an expectation that if you need that, you're going to bring in an expert, just like you would in any other field. And it's just so funny because I just had another one of my clients today that wants to pay me, always a good thing, but they're like, we like to pay you via ACH. So here's a Word document, put your your banking information on it and get it back to us. I'm like, no, I will call you and you can write it on your own form. But, and it's such common practice that I think that just from a I don't like going back to the customer and say, no, I'm not filling out your form and sending it to you. I will call you, but it's not worth the risk. And I think it's just these little things that we do for ourselves personally and that we learn to do for our business that can protect us on both sides. Absolutely. And one last thing, since we're talking about soft skills here, is I really want to encourage people to trust their instincts. In almost every instance in a large incident, when interviewed afterward, people would say, I felt something was off or something Mm. felt amiss. So I really want to encourage people. We have intelligences that are part of us we may not know about or be aware of. If you feel something's off, please pay attention to that. Worst case scenario, you send people on a wild goose chase and turns out to be nothing. But best case scenario, you catch something early and before it can cause too much damage. Wow. Wow. So as we're getting to the end of our time together, if somebody did want to continue the conversation with you or schedule a time to talk about how you can help them, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Yeah, I love to talk security and help organizations. We set up a site just for this. So you can go to our site. It's executech.com, E-X-E-C-U-T-E-C-H.com forward slash cast, C-A-S-T as in podcast. And okay. we'll be happy to answer any questions. I'm happy to talk directly about this all day, every day. I want—I really want organizations to be protected from this kind of stuff out there. So yeah, please reach out. All right. Awesome. James, it has been such a pleasure having you on the phone today. Although I am terrified now, <laughs> I learned a lot and I'm sure my listeners did too. So thank you so much for joining me today. 
It's my honor. And I don't want to create fear. I do want to create a healthy level of paranoia, however. That is a real thing. And I want that out there. So thanks for having me on, Lisa. Thank you to your audience. I hope you all have a great day. Be safe out there, folks. All right. Thanks. I'm Lisa Ryan, and this is the Manufacturers Network Podcast. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Manufacturers Network Podcast. Do me a favor and share this podcast with your friends and colleagues so we can grow this network and connect more fantastic folks just like you. You can either send your buddies to the website at manufacturers-network.com or share the Manufacturers Network podcast on your LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or wherever you and your industry friends hang out. The bigger and faster we grow the network, the stronger and deeper the community will all have. Thanks again, and I appreciate you.